They cheer him one minute, they don't care the next. Nickel! Uh, I was proven uh, right about these fans yeah, being yeah. fickle. Hey yo, it's J.M. and Yee We watch wrestling weekly I style it stone cold like Stevie Believe me, I said believe me Keep it so breezy We make another show's uneasy when we come around When we step behind the mic Awesome reactions with the fans every night Like the man when she graces the ring J.M. Yee Fickle Fan Podcast Now I mean Fickle, 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 Fickle Welcome everyone to the 8th edition of the Fickle Fan Podcast. You have Yiski here. JM in the building. And we hey, have a re- oh, reoccurring uh, oh. guest. <laughs> Say hello, Duke. <laughs> what up, though? It's Duke. I just botched the intro, but <laughs> one take. That's all we're doing. One take. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Straight raw. We ain't really doing this. Yeah, this is Fickle Fan Podcast live. <laughs> coming from you straight from the Botchamania uh, locker room. Yeah, How about right. that? <laughs> I'm sure we're going to have more botches on the way. <laughs> <laughs> so this week we have uh, three shows to actually recap, and then we also have a new segment that we'll introduce toward the end of our show, and we'll have some breaking Michigan Wolverine news as well. So to start off, we're going to talk about Money in the Bank this past Sunday. Uh, we opened up with the pre-show, the kickoff show, with a non-title match between the Usos against Daniel Bryan and Eric Rowan. And, of course, we saw the Usos uh, defeating them in a non-title match. Then we opened up the main pay-per-view with the Women's Money in the Bank match. And we were able to see Bailey finally capture that Money in the Bank uh, case. And we'll see how she, what she does with it a little bit later in the show. Um, the first match, a title match, is the U.S.-United States title match. We saw Rey Mysterio once again in a very short match, but this time he's able to defeat uh, Samoa Joe. Uh, then we had our cage match uh, between Shane McMahon and The Miz, and once again, Shane escapes with yet another victory. Uh, <laughs> then we move over, literally. <laughs> and then we move over to the cruiser title, cruiserweight match. Uh, we had Tony Nese. He was able to defend his uh, title against uh, uh, Davari. Uh, and then we move on to the Raw's women's title match. Where we saw Becky Lynch survive a uh, match against Lacey Evans to still remain two-belt Becky. But then immediately as she's leaving, the SmackDown women's title match uh, starts. And thanks to a uh, woman's right, Charlotte is able to make Becky one-belt Becky. And then as Charlotte and Lacey are wrecking havoc on Becky, Bailey comes out, cashes in her money in the bank, and pins Charlotte to become the new SmackDown Women's title champion. Then we had a little dud of a match uh, where Roman Reigns is walking through the backstage area, gets attacked by a lightweight acoustic guitar, which allows Elias <laughs> to perform a full concert or complete an actual song. And then Roman comes out and pins him in 10 seconds. And then we have the match of our night, uh, the Universal title match, which is by far the best match of the show. Uh, We had Seth Rollins, and he was able to defeat AJ Styles in their first ever matchup. Uh, Then we had the WWE title match, where Kofi was able to defeat uh, KO and retain his title. And then probably one of the shockers of the night, the winner of the men's Money in the Bank, we know that Sami Zayn was taken out by Batman, and it was accused. Uh, Braun Strowman was accused of doing it. 
We still don't know who did it, but it turns out that Brock Lesnar took his spot and wins the money in the bank by coming in and spending 30 seconds in the match and taking that uh, title. So we had a lot to talk about. So we'll start with you, JM. What are your thoughts on the show? Um, I absolutely loved Money in the Bank, man. Um, I thought it was a real exciting show uh, from beginning to end. I mean, I know we were all sitting there watching it and we were saying how, especially like with the first match and the women looked like they were trying to kill each other, bro. Like it was right. It was just it was insane. The spots they were doing, the intensity that they had, man. Um, And let me Carmelo worked us all. I mean, it was it was intense and you really didn't know which one of them was going to come out. I mean, they all played their part. I mean, Dana Brooke had a couple of spots. I mean, they all look good. Um, but obviously I was looking for, um, Bailey to win and she did. I mean, I liked that whole opening segment. I liked the both Becky matches. I like how it ended up with Bailey cashing in. Um, there was somebody on Twitter who mentioned that, uh, you know, cashing in immediately with the case is not, you know, fun. It makes it not fun, but, in the case of Bailey, what other, what other you know scenario would you have had, other than her cashing in the moment she got it? Could we actually see Bailey carrying around the case for months? Um, nothing against her, obviously. She's one of my favorite wrestlers, but it's better better for her to do what she did so she can have that belt and um, and uh, you know capitalize on it at that point. Uh, just a little side note: rest in peace, uh, Sasha Banks, uh, WWE. Uh, career because I think it's over. We didn't say it tonight, so I'm saying officially it is over. If she proves me wrong, that's cool. Other news: AJ Rollins match, of course, was the uh, I, I'm I'm saying it's the cold match of the night. I'm gonna go out on a limb, probably unpopular opinion, but uh, I like the women's money in the bank and AJ and uh, Seth Rollins match as the match of the night. And uh, I'm a little upset that it wasn't no tag titles uh, being defended on a show. You got three sets of tag titles. Neither one of them made the show. Um, it was supposed to be a tag title on a, on a pre-show. No tag titles on the pre-show. No Iconics. No, um, who the other, who the Raw tag titles? Uh, Kurt Hawkins and... Zack Ryder. And Zack Ryder, yeah. Neither one of them. So, so shows you how much they value the tag titles. And Mr. Boombox Brock coming in winning the money in the bank um shocked me definitely definitely shocked me man um wasn't not expecting that not at all um whole lot of people on twitter wasn't uh, wasn't happy about that one from the moment it happened all the way to raw and they even still talking about it when uh smackdown came on today so uh but me I'm actually excited about it. This is a little different for Brock to have that case. You don't know what corners he's looking around. Uh, either one of them, whoever is going to be the the champions right now. You got right now. You got uh, Kofi and Seth, but they always looking over their back. That's exciting. Um, and then just we see that Brock got his charisma back. I mean, the whole thing with with the case and him listening to it is just gold, man. I love it. I love it. Uh, and, and Yeeski, when the last time you heard me this excited about Brock Lesnar? Um, probably when he gave uh, took John Cena to Suplex City for the first time. Yes. So wow. Yes. Yeah, so you can see. Uh, yeah. So you can see. Uh, I'm a little excited about Brock Lesnar, man. I haven't been for years. Um, the fact that you know he ain't doing the UFC thing no more. You could say, I quote unquote, air quote, full time 
uh, time given to WWE, whatever that means for him. Um, but uh, I'm glad, I'm happy to see and excited to see where this goes with Brock Lesnar for the uh, for the foreseeable future. So that was my take on Money in the Bank, man. It was a car crash of a show, and I loved it. I gotta say, I agree with you wholeheartedly. Uh, that show was an uppercase W for win in my book. I remember telling you, Jay, before Money in the Bank, that I think Money in the Bank is gonna refreshing Raw and Smackdown for everyone because we going into Money in the Bank we had a rough two weeks with Raw and Smackdown was just in but Money in the Bank it made this week's Raw and Smackdown very very fresh and we have a new chant and I would welcome this chant wholeheartedly <laughs> that chant is the Yowie Wowie yeah. and it was a lot of Yowie Wowie moments Especially with the women, they had a 1990s death match. Uh, the only thing that was missing was electric barbed wire in a in a shark tank. Yep. These women had a death match out of a Money in the Bank briefcase match, and I appreciate that from the women. Like they stepped it up. I was I was scared for Mandy Rose when the ladder landed on Carmella awkwardly. I was scared for Bailey. I thought she might have lost the pelvis bone, but <laughs> she survived and she became champion. And when she became champion, even though I wanted her to cash in more so on Becky Lynch just to give Bailey that edge and make her more of a uh, complex character besides smiles and hugs, it still worked um, with her casting in on Charlotte because now the story could be Bailey, this underdog. That never could step up, that can never truly step up and fill the shoes that Charlotte has uh, against Charlotte, who is the greatest women's wrestler known to humanity. Yes. Um, but back to the Yowie Wowie moments, we had um, we we sacrificed Fan Balor's spine um, <laughs> in the main event for the Money in the Bank match just for Brock Lesnar to win, and I'm not even mad at that. Because that in itself was a Yari Wari moment because nobody expects Brock Lesnar to just come to uh, one of the lower shows, even though I feel like Money in the Bank is one of the hypest shows of the year. Uh, but like he came in and sadly sacrificed Mustafa Ali. Uh, he was even bleeding at the end of the match and he became Money in the Bank champion, which kind of leads on to Raw, where Kofi and Seth Rollins, which is a new fresh road that we haven't really seen with the Money in the Bank briefcase. I'm sorry if I'm getting ahead of myself, but they're challenging Brock Lesnar even though they're the champions and they should be the ones being challenged. And that's very fresh and I thought that was very creative from the WWE. Um, there was one more thing I wanted to uh, bring out, which was in the Seth Rollins versus AJ Styles match one before the finish they had a pop-up from a curb stomp to a styles class and i never thought a move like that could be done and it just goes to show and i want to apologize for my comments on last week where i said i don't think seth rollins and aj styles could pull off a great match because they slowed it down i'm going <laughs> to eat my words apologize and go to vince and tell him i'm sorry vince for even questioning your booking <laughs> um, 
because <laughs> that spot right there just shows why they're the best, one of the best wrestlers to humanity today. So that's how I feel. Money in the Bank was a very strong uppercase W for me. I think we really need to thank Vince because we were all second guessing his wild card, uh, wild card rule. But I think it's really mixed things up. And now that no one really knows the rule and they don't enforce it, so it's kind of like the brand slit is still there, but it doesn't really matter because you got people just swapping back and forth. No one's trying to keep track anymore, and they just say, "Oh, it's a wild card rule." But I mean, that's I think it's what's making some of these uh, fresh matchups, fresh uh, scenes that we get to see. Um, so I do have to give props for Carmella for really selling her knee, even though the latter hit her opposite knee, but she sold the other knee. But it was so <laughs> convincing that we all believe that she was actually hurt. Bro, I mean, she sold that like a champ, man. I was scared for Mandy Rose. I thought I thought we were about to see a shoot ladder fight. Yeah. <laughs> I, I have to say, I was impressed by Sonya Deville picking up Mandy and trying yes. to carry her up Dead man's lift, bro. I mean, she's like a firefighter, man. Yeah. The only thing is that I kept wondering, like, why is Sonya looking at that, looking up at the belt and not just going up and retrieving it for, for Mandy? But <laughs> that'll be another day. <laughs> just go up there and, and grab it like Ellsworth and this or uh and yeah bring, Ellsworth. Just bring it down for right. Bring it out for Mandy. But uh, I guess that was too easy. I mean Bailey Bailey's supposed to win, so and then I actually liked uh, Lacey's performance because we don't see her wrestle very often, but I think she held her ground against Becky. Um and then it was nice seeing uh, Bailey uh win the belt, but like Duke said, I wish she had turned heel and <laughs> Cashed in and and Becky instead, and then that would have that's coming. That well, they they teased it kind of tonight, but we'll see how that goes. Because then that would be because Becky, she's the two belt champ, but she really plays the underdog part better because the fans get behind the underdog. So we'll see, we'll see how that goes forward. Um, Of course, Seth and AJ, what a match! Except as as even AJ said. He was surprised how early they booked it, but now this opens up. Hopefully, they can give him some space and then run it back, maybe closer to SummerSlam, and give him the main event for that. And then, of course, Brock winning. I don't know. Brock seems like he's now that I think with the UFC cloud not hanging over him as much, I think the fans will start to appreciate him a little bit more yeah. than they were uh, before because they would always think that he's a part timer, part timer. But I guess he's got no place else to go, so he's either hanging out at home or he's wrestling, and he doesn't well, have anything else on his agenda. Well, listen, somebody better tell the uh, Twitter fans that because they they think something else. <laughs> well, I, I do think they need to freshen up Brock. So, put him, bring Shelton Benjamin back, put something with Brock. Right. Kind of liven him up. Because, I mean, he's kind of bland. Paul Heyman's going to do all his talking. We've heard that for the last five years. Paul mm-hmm. Heyman doing his spiel about the beast, the beast. So, and then now he's chasing a little bit. I'm only worried that he's back for the run to the Sands of Time uh, Super Showdown pay per view. Yeah. And well, then. You know- the way I was freshen up Brock Lesnar, Jay already knows where I'm going. F5 a kid. That's all you have to do. <laughs> F5 a kid and Brock Lesnar will be over. And that's how you solve any issue the WWE has. A shoot finisher on a kid. And I think that'll save Brock Lesnar's career. Keep him fresh. 
Are you talking Nicholas about last year? Nicholas or Dominic? Both at the same time. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, the thing is, like Brock was really smiling up on top of that ladder. He's like all happy. So I think he's. He almost he's, killed fans too. He killed. I know he killed the cameraman when he pushed that ladder. Over. Yeah, dude. He pushed, <laughs> he pushed that, that over with some authority. <laughs> yeah, I saw on Twitter somebody say they loved how Brock Lesnar ran down like a happy kid on Christmas morning <laughs> for that money in the bank briefcase. Like, yeah, I, I think that was legitimate excitement that we yeah. saw pre cameraman death. Because <laughs> you can't really. I, because they said they were keeping it secret from even the wrestlers on the show. Mm-hmm. Like, in the match. <laughs> Those yeah. guys were laying yeah. out there not knowing who's coming out. And then, oh, Brock's back. Look, I, uh, I I tweeted about that. And I said um, that I used to hear um, Taz talk about that on this show. And he would say that sometimes Vince would, you know, keep stuff from wrestlers. Or he'll they'll keep stuff from the commentator so that you'll get that natural reaction. Because think about it. First of all, you don't know who's coming out. So they all got that in the back of their mind. Somebody is coming, but they don't know who. So they still got to do the match. But then once the music hit and they realize it's Brock, you can see the reaction. You can see it in Ali's eyes. Like, okay, I knew it was coming, but I didn't know it was him. So if you want to get that natural reaction, sometimes you got to do that. Don't tell them nothing. And, you know, unfortunately, you got to do that to the talent. But... I loved it because of the fact we was all surprised. Even the talent was surprised. So, you know, I don't mind it. And on a professional level, I just want to give Ali props because if that was me on the top of that ladder, I would have been so tempted just to hurry up and take it down. (laughs) But Ali played his role, took the bump, and let Brock Lesnar get the title. I mean, not the title, but the, the briefcase. And Brock probably has never practiced anything with a ladder. So, I mean, yeah. what do you expect? He runs out there, he's full of adrenaline. All right. And he's super strong, so he's like, whoop, too hard. <laughs> My bad. Break down the roof when he's trying to pull down a briefcase. Like, I right. see that happening. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then uh, I have to give props for uh, Dana Brooke uh, hanging on during the women's Monday back match, grabbing onto that briefcase or hanging off of that. Uh, yeah, I, I, I thought for sure she was about to lose both her legs. I'm like, please don't fall. Please don't fall. <laughs> I'm unimpressed with Dana Brooke. Until she do a 450 splash <laughs> off of something very high. She, like Dana Brooke, when she was holding on to that briefcase, she should have did a 450 splash on the outside of the ring onto Sonya Deville. Swung back and forth. <laughs> yeah. I'm not sold on Dana Brooke yet. <laughs> <laughs> well, at this rate, it's coming. Yeah, it's coming. It's she, coming. She's growing on me, but yeah, I'm going to withhold my peace. Okay. So let's move on to Raw. And uh, I'm not gonna. I'm going to skip some of the, the matches. Uh, I'll just mention some of the highlights. We saw Ricochet is now on a losing streak as he loses again to Cesaro after this win streak coming into Raw. Now he's on a downward uh, streak of losing. Um, we finally saw appearance of the Revival. They were able to defeat the Usos in a tag match. Uh, we saw the Icon- Iconics finally appear on TV uh, after a long uh, absence, but yet they were pinned again, actually in a kind of a handicap match of Becky and Nikki uh, with Alexa on the sidelines, uh, beating the Iconics and Lacey Evans. Then we saw the introduction of the new WWE 
24-7 championship. And then we had a... <laughs> we'll, have, we'll, we'll talk about this later. We had Titus and Neil being the first winner of that belt. Then Robert Roode take it from him. And then we saw R-Truth take it before the night was over. Uh, we also saw Drew McIntyre defeat The Miz. And then we saw uh, the t- main event, Seth Rollins and Kofi defeat Baron Corbin and Lashley. So let's start with what is your take on the appearances of the Iconics and what the WWE is doing with them? Um, I, uh, I, I'm always happy when the Iconics show up. They are fun to watch. Um, I kind of been back and forth as to are, is it kind of a disrespect to the belts? or not because of it's pretty much just a comedy act but the way i see it is you're not gonna have i mean that's what you want from wwe or any show you want a variety everybody is not going to be sonya deville or ronda rousey or charlotte you know what i mean it's, it's just you're not going to have that so to have that variety and have them be a comedy act but i mean they got obviously they got chemistry in the ring um still need a little bit more seasoning I don't know if they'll ever obviously i don't think they'll ever get to that point of being those ones like charlotte or whatever but i'm saying um still need a little bit a little bit more seasoning but i love those two in the ring um it kind of surprised me <laughs> surprised me to see them because i'm like oh yeah that's right they tag team champions um but entertaining nonetheless uh with them and um i i actually did like that match um that happened it was a, a, a real entertaining match yeah, especially to see alexa on the outside with the with the coffee, coffee. yeah that was <laughs> yeah, <I love> that. <laughs> that was hilarious yeah yeah that was hilarious um but yeah man i'm, I'm a huge iconics fan man so they can't really do any any wrong to me see it's just proof that alexa can elevate the match without even being in it <laughs> yep exactly exactly now, what, what's your take on the... We'll go a brief take on the 24-7 championship. Are you happy to see that belt? Um, yeah, I'm huge. I mean, okay, so we just gonna, we going to address the elephant in the room already. The belt is hideous, okay? It's hideous. That green with that... I mean, I've, I've seen so many people say different stuff about it, saying it was like the, the Ninja Turtle sewer cover on the top <laughs> you know saying it, it was uh i said it was somebody's uh uploaded uh, belt creation on 2k19 <laughs> that they 3d printed you know uh i mean it, it's terrible but i also see it this way the hardcore championship wasn't cute either so i mean it's not going to be something that's you know lavish or anything like that i mean it's a belt that you could potentially defend in a bathroom like you know it kind of fits the character of what's going on people need to back up off the championship yes it's ugly but it is what it is like how about we just pay attention to what they're doing the fact that they got a new idea the fact that we're all invested the fact that we really don't know what's going on you i mean you don't have no idea who's going to pick this up it can end up on nxt on wednesday i mean it, it just could span all these shows uh 205 i mean you can you can could potentially see um like truth show up on 205 and take it from you know davari or somebody like that like that's that's the craziness of this and i love it i like i give wwe four props 
for, you know, bringing back this idea of this 24-7 belt. And I just say, you know, kind of back up off the belt. It's really not about the belt. It's about the idea. I'm uh, I'm going to go ahead and go against you, Jay. <laughs> you are making some very strong points, and I'm with you. But at the end of the day, it's a gimmick for the loser's locker room, as one podcast <laughs> puts it. Um, I'm happy because it does give the loser locker room something to do. But then again, it's like, I'm going to put it this way. My biggest issue with that belt is the naming of it, the 24-7 belt. If that doesn't have jobbers spelled all over it, then I don't know what it what does. That belt, at least give it something that you can work with. Uh, for example, the hardcore title, which is basically the 24-7 belt. When I think of the hardcore title, I think of people, oh, this guy's so hardcore, he can fight anywhere. With the 24-7 title, I just think about a bunch of goofiness and about, about a bunch of fun segments that they can get out of it, which I respect, but at the end of the day, I'm not watching wrestling to laugh. I'm watching wrestling to see these people compete and um, entertain me with their competition, not to laugh at a quick five-second segment of our truth dressing like a woman um, and have talking about he doesn't know how to um, undo broad straps. It was funny, but I, I just kind of want more competition for WWE. I feel like that's where the WWE, it, it kind of loses me at is that it focuses too much on the entertainment part in its name. Well, it, I, I, I got something to, to, to say to that too. Also great points. Um, I think, um, we are to the point now where, I mean, you know, we, we, we value what the what the attitude era brought and that title was in the attitude era and we talking 20 years ago where that existed i can't see a hardcore title existing today which is probably the reason why they didn't name it that and bring that title back because if you think about the matches that that brings they can't do those matches today because right. things have changed so they kind of got to bring the element of that but not call it that because if I see a hardcore title, I'm going to be expecting a hardcore match. I'm going to be expecting somebody to get hit with a barbed wire bat. And we know that's not going to happen, even though, um, you know, you don't really necessarily have to do all that stuff for it to be a hardcore match. But that's what people equate that to. And they're not going to get that. So I can see why they didn't do that. I think that, you know, what we see today is is because things have changed time has changed and obviously yeah i do want to see you know those more serious matches and you know wwe be a little bit more serious but at the same time it's like okay if this is the route they're going to go then that it is what it is because we know we're not getting that other flavor back maybe with the fox deal what on smackdown we'll see what they do but as of right now this is what they're going to give us as far as it being a uh, the loser a locker room belt it only take one person that's not a loser to go after that belt and that turns all of that around so could, right. could we see that happen we never I know, know. You, right you might see me debut <laughs> <laughs> you know it, it 
you you never know what's going to happen. You can't count out the fact that you know somebody that is not amongst that level. And I mean, somebody that don't get a lot of TV time or hasn't got a lot of wins or something like that. Somebody who may have got a lot of wins and all that may end up with the belt. So we just don't know. Do we see that happening? Yes, you could say it's probably for that ones that don't get TV time. But all it takes is one person that's not amongst that to get it. And it changes that whole landscape. So you just don't know. Well, I'm with you on that. I'm going to agree with Duke on this one. Um, It worked in the Attitude Era because there were, I'm going to say, about four less belts than there are right now. Because on the main WWE, that's, I think it's, if I count correctly, that's belt number 10. That's Mm. being held on the show. So even if you have a pay-per-view, you try to defend every belt, that's nine matches already booked on every (laughs) single card if you defend the the match, defend the belts. So... So I think Jim Ross made a point because he took a shot at it for having too many belts. And I agree with him because you have this comedy act, but unless you unify some of those belts, you're going to neglect belts week after week, pay-per-view after pay-per-view. And now we're, I mean, we're doing entertainment. It's good and fun, but we've got to do something about the, the 10 belts that we've got on the show. Yeah, I think that's the problem that they have now. The reason why we didn't have the tag teams on Money in the Bank. So you make a good point. I mean, why don't they just unify the tag titles? Unify the tag titles? Yeah. For one, yeah, unify the tag titles. And then I think if they would have never done the women's tag team champion, I think they would have been in a better creative boat. I think we all may have been a part of that rushing process for them to get it because we wanted the some of the women to be used that weren't being used but i think we all jumped the gun on that um because it is a lot of titles but if you didn't have that and they unified the tag titles and i think they would be in a better position because it is it is a lot of titles i mean just think if they have a night of change right that's already how many how many matches I mean if you have a 24-7 match that should be 10 belts 10 yeah. matches right off the bat I mean crap that's a that's a Wrestlemania card right almost so yeah you make you make a good point because you gotta you gotta have time for your other matches that don't have a belt involved in it but yeah we'll see uh, now so at the end of the show it appears that uh, Brock Lesnar comes out and teases the cash-in and it claims that next Monday night we're going to find out who he cashes in on. So it looks like it's playing into that uh, super showdown where Brock will challenge and officially cash in that that title match uh, at Super Showdown. So what's your take on basically having both of those Money in the Bank's cases cashed in within a week? Well, uh, I already said what I thought about Bailey. I think she had to. I don't really see it carrying for months her carrying that case for months unless if she had turned heel and did it then i see it but with her being the bailey that we all know in my opinion that would not have been entertaining for her to carry that case every week and giving a bubbly baby face promo about her having the case they would have booed her out the building after the second time she came out like that so she had to as far as Brock Lesnar goes 
I want him to not cash it in because that was the intrigue for him is being the beast. It's like, okay, you never know when he's going to do it. Now, within oh two weeks, he's going to show or say who he's going to cash it in on. And then correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, when the last time somebody announced when they're going to cash it in, like you usually come with the surprise factor of I'm about to cash this in. There is no beforehand saying, you know what? When the next pay-per-view come, I'm cashing that in. You've just well, ruined it. Well, Bron did that, so. Yeah, he did it. Yeah, the, you're right. He did that. And I thought it was stupid then. It was pretty stupid. Uh, I I think uh, it's okay to announce it. Long as the match at the end of the day is good. The thing about that Bron situation was that Ron and Roman Reigns knocked each other out after doing one close line to each other. And then it was a bunch of chaos with Shield versus Dean Ambrose and Drew McIntyre. And that was just awkward to watch. But having Brock Lesnar say, hey, I know how good Seth Rollins is. I know how good Kofi Kingston is. But they not on my level and they can't beat me in a straight up fight. Therefore, I don't need to cash in whenever. Um, it's convenient. I'm going to cash in when I want to in a singles match. I think that builds intrigue. It builds up the match to high stakes. Because basically, Brock Lesnar is saying whoever he decides to cash in on is garbage. Come at me, bro. That's what he's saying. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Come <laughs> at me, bro. <laughs> well, now let's move on to uh, SmackDown. Um, SmackDown, uh, we open up with the return of the full cast of New Day with Big E uh, finally make his return to SmackDown. Then we had uh, a non-title match uh, between Kofi Kingston and Sami Zayn. And then we saw a tag team match between Bailey and Becky, and they were able to beat Lacey and Charlotte. And then we had Roman close out the show by defeating Elias. And then, of course, in the middle of that, at the end of the Kofi match, we had the return of Dolph Ziggler. So, what's your take on this show? Uh, I I I liked SmackDown much more than I did Raw. There was a few points in this show that I liked. I loved the Ziggler. I didn't see that coming at all, like zero. And he showed up with authority. And beat Kofi within an inch of his life, what it looked like. Um, heel Ziggs is a good Ziggs, and it's good for business. Um, I, I, I thoroughly enjoyed that. Obviously, all the 24-7 shenanigans. I thought Carmella was going to cash in tonight. I know a lot of people did. I wish she would have, but that's for another day. Could be on social media like we talked about before the show. Um, I like the Lacey. Well... I'm kind of torn with that one because, again, like I mentioned, I thought we was going to see Sasha tonight. That was in my own head. We didn't, so I was a little disappointed. But the Bailey and the man against uh, against uh, Charlotte and Lacey was a was a good match. Um, Lacey is is impressing me every time she comes out there, and seeing her stand next to Charlotte makes me see how big of a like star that she can be because she's kind of holding her own obviously we can see that she's 
I don't want to say green, but you got three of the four horsemen in the ring with her. And so we can see who the odd woman out of that one is being in the ring with those three. But on the flip side of that, what other three women would you want to be in the ring with to make you look good besides them, besides the other one horsewoman that's horsewoman that is missing? Um, so it was a good match with that. I thought it's just an overall show. One thing I don't want to see any more of is the whole Shane Roman Reigns thing. I'm tired of that already. Um, but it's not really too much you can do with Roman besides keep, you know, in the midst of keeping him away from that title. So I guess it's good for that um, because the Boo Birds are out, people. It's almost getting back to that point where they're booing him when he come out. I'm hearing it. I mean, it's only a few cheers and <clears throat> they booing him, man. It's too much Roman. Why are we seeing him on every show? Why are they putting him right back down this rabbit hole of getting him booed it's like they still don't get it like less roman is better roman especially since you have already tarnished him for the last four years so it's like now you gotta kind of ease him back in don't have him on every show like come on man i don't know what they're doing with this kid man but you know it's neither here nor there yeah i uh i gotta say also for raw I wanted to give it uh, New Times Roman W. I was really impressed by that show last night, but in terms of SmackDown, that Dolph Ziggler versus, I mean, that Dolph Ziggler beatdown on Kofi Kingston is why when the brand split originally happened, Dolph Ziggler was one of my favorite wrestlers. Um, I know Dolph Ziggler got it in him to be a memorable world champion. Um, and besides that beatdown, that promo that he cut a segment afterwards, mm-hmm. where I don't know if it was just some good promo skills, but it sounded like everything he said, he believed it to the point where he was ready to cry over it. I yes. thought he was about to. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, it is true. It is true. Yeah. Everything he said was true. It should be him. Exactly. And it should be him. Um, like Dolph Ziggler is somebody uh, what's that story called Icarus where he got too close to the sun and, mm-hmm. and fell down mm-hmm. um, to the ocean or whatever his wings because he uh, didn't put enough peanut butter in between the feathers of his wings like uh, basically that is Dolph Ziggler's story over and over and over and now to see somebody who got lucky get that title and he has to just sit back and accept that nah i'm gonna do what Dolph ziggler did and go out there and put the beat down on kofi kingston um so i i really appreciate how they're getting ready to set up this next feud for kofi kingston Dolph ziggler is the perfect person to put him up against um and i i hope that Dolph ziggler is the one to dethrone kofi because it'll give kofi some room to grow as a uh, competitor and it'll definitely make uh, Dolph Ziggler grow and because of that segment there I'm going to make a new rating for myself I keep making all these new ratings I'm going to give Smackdown a supreme W for just because of that Dolph Ziggler return I really appreciated how they he came back and just 
handled that whole situation. Um, in terms of Roman, I enjoy. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me ask you a question. Now, uh-huh. are you worried in the slightest that this is a one-off return because Dolph got a big check for Super Showdown? Uh, That's the only thing I'm worried about. That this is just a one-time match he's going to lose and he's going to go off again to do his comedy show. Even if that's the case, I trust Dolph Ziggler so much that I know I'm going to enjoy the story that they're going to put together for him. I've never not enjoyed Dolph Ziggler on TV, even when he had awkward moments like that Hell in a Cell where they was fighting on top of the Hell in a Cell for no reason. I still enjoyed it, but I I, I have faith that WWE is going to handle this story well, even if it's a one-off match for Super Showdown. We got two weeks, two weeks of, of I guess SmackDown to see what the full story is. And I do have to give the cameraman props uh, during that beatdown because they were very successful in finding the fans who actually believe Kofi was hurt. Yes. Because the devastation on those guys' face, I'm like, don't you know it's fake? And they're like, they were like, Uh oh, I'm going to have to bleep Uh that out. Uh oh. I'm about to bleep that out. I'm on Twitter right now. The Fickle Fan Podcast is the worst podcast <laughs> in the history of podcasts. They use F word. Yeah, they did. I, I was I was like, oh man, they are like really concerned. Like this dude. <laughs> like he fell off a building or something. Right. But that I just goes to show, and that's one thing that we was uh talking about during Money in the Bank is Kofi Kingston truly losing his heat right now yeah um uh, i think uh, uh well one thing is he got a, he's having a lot of a lot of you know title matches after he won it at wrestlemania and um it's almost like and then with this whole ziggler thing it's almost like they're prepping people especially with brock lesnar having the case and the ziggler thing it's like they're prepping people for the time that he loses it so it won't be such a shock we know it's coming um and i just after what happened at money in the bank man it it was almost like there wasn't that pop for kofi like it was i actually think his heat is um coming down the heat on new day will never wear off so them three together they're going to get their pops especially tonight Big E came back and that was huge and I was popping for that bit huge for, for them three together. That felt real special for him com- coming back, especially the, the work that he's, you know, kept himself in people's minds on Twitter. And so, um, but as far as Kofi goes, I just think that he's a placeholder right now. And I say that with utmost respect because the dude has captivated us for the last, what, month, two months, man. Uh, even a little, little bit longer than that and so i say that with much utmost respect but we all know what's about to happen and i think the fans know too and it was a moment it was a special moment but i don't really see it going too much longer i said he gonna carry the, the belt into SummerSlam. i don't even think he gonna get that far wow so you saying kofi kingston is jedda mahal 2.0 
Oh man, I don't want to say that. But... <laughs> well, he he's definitely more entertaining to watch than yeah, 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 yeah ever was. Yes, <laughs> yeah. But who who would you think would take the belt off him then? I mean, I, I'm worried Ziggler's a one off. So who would you? That's a that, that, that's a good that's, question, man. Because if it's not Giannis, yeah, I want Kofi Kingston to be an underdog when he loses. I want him if he if he can get past Ziggler, and if Ziggler is just a one off, that's cool. I want Kofi Kingston to fight Roman Reigns for the world title. Think about the promos that could be cut. Here it is, Roman Reigns, the big dog. We know that he's Lesnar power level strong. Um, we're up to that point. We know that he's main evented WrestleMania three times in a row. Beat the dead man. And Kofi Kingston in 11 years is just now getting to that point where he's in contention or is a world champion. And Roman Reigns did it in two to three years. Think about the promos that could be cut against each other for that simple fact. And, and, and you, I agree with that. And you know what? They can even run it where, you know, they have basically the bloodline and New Day to give the other parties involved. Because, I mean, it ain't just going to be Kofi. You know, it's New Day coming with him. So you put Usos with that, too. Because, I mean, let's face it, the brand split is over. So you put Usos with that, too, in that particular feud. And now you got, I mean, just like you said, think about the promos in that. We all know the, the, that the Usos bring it. We know the New Day bring it. And you would need, if you have Kofi going up against Roman in promos, we all know Roman ain't gold on the mic. So he might need a little assistance with that but i mean i'm with it if it's just roman and kofi that would be very intriguing um and that underdog role to have him go up against but the problem with that is are they ready to turn roman reigns heel because the moment you do that and you go up against kofi he is automatically the de facto heel in that. Maybe he can bring back his line. I'm not a good guy. I'm not a bad guy. I'm the big dog. Whatever he used to say. I'm the guy. I'm the guy. I'm yeah. the guy, yeah. Yes. That's the only problem with that, man. They gotta be they gotta be ready to turn and and, and, and that's the thing, man. If they do that, he should do he would be the biggest star in the world to turn him heel. I mean yes. it's it's ready for the, it's ripe for the taking. For him, like especially in that scenario, man, that'd be the biggest feud we've seen in years. Well, I think the only problem he's the uh, ambassador for all their goodwill, community, uh, community service stuff. So make a wish. There's no more Cena, so it's like Roman Reigns. <laughs> Every kid wants to see Roman now. Yes, and heal Roman Reigns is not good for the Make a Wish. <laughs> no, not a make an kid for the Make a Wish. <laughs> yes. Now, now the only other thing I'm concerned about is now Miz is now slowly dropped from like upper mid card. Now he's really sliding down because he's been unable to beat Shane Man, and it looks like Roman. I'm gonna guess Roman's gonna go beat Shane at Super Showdown. So I'm a little concerned where the Miz is falling now in this entire upper card because he's kind of losing. He lost his feud pretty much. I think it's over, and he's lost to Shane. 
and now Shane is moving up to Roman, but Miz is kind of I don't know where he goes from here. Yeah, where does does that put him? Like, no matter where Miz is, the lower card for the twenty four seven title, the upper card for a world title. No matter where Miz is, Miz is gonna shine. That's what he does. No matter where you put him, he's gonna make the best out of it, and he's gonna get a pop or he's gonna get the booze, depending on whatever role he's in. The Miz is money. and no matter what Miz could do no wrong as long as he's on TV. Well, it would be fun if they brought uh, the 24-7 title on Miz and the Misses and saw him sleeping with his doors locked. <laughs> <laughs> Extra security. Make sure no one came in to take his belt. And then he's gotta yeah. look at he's gotta look at Maurice with one eye open, like and then maybe his uh, mother in law comes and tries to pin him. <laughs> 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 or it would be funny if like they're sleeping and uh Maurice just rolls over and put her arm across him and he's on his back yeah. <laughs> and a ref comes out of nowhere. <laughs> now, 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 that, now that we're talking about refs, um, in Money in the Bank, there were some, I don't know if they addressed it on Raw and SmackDown, there were some, I guess, some mishaps with the refing. Um, first off, we had... Samoa Joe, whose shoulders were clearly not on the mat, getting pinned one, two, three by Rey Mysterio. And then you had the reverse where Lacey's shoulders or Becky's shoulders were on the mat, but the ref refused to count anything for uh, Lacey. Um, yeah, it was uh, some very peculiar uh, refereeing going on, as you mentioned, and we all saw that. And so, um, I was uh, listening to Busted Open earlier, and they actually had a referee on there talking about some of this stuff, especially the the uh, steel cage match. Oh, with the when they, yes. yeah, when Shane. they broke that up, yep. yeah, and he actually said him 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 um, stopping it was actually the right call, but he explained it this way. He said in a steel cage match, the rope. Neg- the, on the ropes negate the count now should he uh, like if somebody has a, a submission hold and they're holding on to the rope they can tap all day long and they're not going to stop it um, but he said the ropes negate the count so th- it was actually right but wrong he shouldn't like not stop them you know, from doing anything he should have just not counted or anything like that you know what I mean Okay. So that that was the explanation for that, and then um, yeah, the, the other the other ones it was that, those are just they they messed up with those like you know, and then you know he also said that a lot of times in WWE or in wrestling the rules are you know kind of changed or whatnot they're only there for convenience a lot of times so whatever happens they'll change it to be this and change it to be that which you know we've seen many times before. And so, you know, um, major props for, for, for that, what, you know, what I heard earlier, because it really did clear up a lot of stuff. But the bottom line was, yeah, it was, you know, we're smart fans, man. We're not well, we're not stupid. And so the, we've seen it immediately. I, I think the pin, I mean, I understand the rope break on the on the pin in the cage, but I, I don't understand. I mean, everyone knows that you got to pin people's shoulders to yes. get the pitfall. So those two are just. That's one on one. Curious. Yeah. Yeah. Terrible gaffes, in my opinion. 
So I was thinking they'd like play up some storyline about punishing the ref, but evidently they kind of brushed it underneath. They do just... what WWE does. They they want you to forget. They'll never mention it. Uh, as an insider, as your as the Fickle Fan Podcast insider uh, for WWE, being right versus left hand man, he's chaining me as a referee to replace that ref who made those two cars. <laughs> so you guys don't gotta worry about it anytime soon. So You're- would would you have the guts to pin Becky one two three and give Lacey the title? I would have did a fast count. <laughs> <laughs> You would have got so much heat, bro. <laughs> yeah, they, they should at least had uh, Lacey or Samoa Joe complain about it, but nothing. Yeah, nothing about it. So, well, well Lacey on Twitter, she complained about it. Uh, well, she made a joke about it. Uh, a couple jokes about it. See, uh, one of the jokes she said, the uh, the luck of an Irishman or something like that. And I really appreciate Lacey sticking to her character twenty four seven. Um, and I hope that's that she rare. gets the 24-7 title. So, yeah. And then also on SmackDown, we had uh, Kevin Owens take out Big E. Because it appears that Big E needs some additional time to heal from his uh, uh, surgery. So we'll probably see him off the show for a couple more weeks. Yeah. <laughs> and it looks uh, like it's a... Yeah, go ahead. I, I, I kind of... I, I, I thought that segment with Biggie was awkward, by the way, uh, because uh, they did a lot of jokes. Some of it landed, some of it didn't. The crowd was with the new day, but it was like a lot of their jokes just went over people's head, and it was just awkward to watch. Yeah, I can agree with that. Yeah. I still loved it, but I can agree with that. Yeah. Well, I guess we'll see probably some kind of feud with, uh, I guess, Biggie and KO, because KO doesn't have anything to do now, because Kofi's moved on to Dolph. So we'll see what happens there. So we'll move on to the world of sports. Um, this week we had the Portland Trailblazers. Uh, they played valiantly for three quarters. And then in the last games, two, three, and four, proceed to give up leads of 18, 18, and 17 to the Golden State Warriors without Kevin Durant. And you know what happens after that? You lose a four game sweep. You get rewarded with a $191 million contract extension for uh, uh, Lillard. And then also the coach gets an extension. So go figure. I guess they were missing uh, missing a player, but I don't know. Listen, okay, so let's put this in perspective. And it might not be apples to apples, but you had Portland goal and a lot of people were saying they were sleepers i mean dame uh dame dame adala was playing out of his mind this playoffs no doubt but you didn't put up any type of fight against golden state you lost double digit leads you almost had 20 point leads going in like going deep in the game three times and you telling me you couldn't give me one game out of that so now they get contract extensions you said 191 million for yep for little 100 191 of them thanks in the extension for him and the coach got an extension too whereas what happened to Dwayne Casey when he won 
coach of the year. What was the next thing that happened to him? He joined the Pistons. <laughs> right. Got fired. You're fired, like Ben says, right? Right after that. So how, how does that work? Like, how does one team go? I mean, they got embarrassed. Portland got embarrassed. And without what people deem to be, and I agree, to be the best player in the world right now in Kevin Durant, without him, with a hurt Iguodala, without Boogie, and they still clean your clock like that, and, but yet you get an extension? Like, I really don't, I don't really don't know. Like, if that was me, I'd have been like, wait a minute, you ain't get the, you wouldn't even give me one. Like, you had three opportunities to win this. They could have won that series, actually, if they would have took care of business and yep. won those three games. Or, even or if they won game two, they would have put Golden State in some kind of trouble. Yeah. But yeah, you get an extension? Like, come on, man. I mean, I, I don't really under, I don't really get that one. But hey, you know, that's what you want to do. And you want to keep, quote, unquote, stability with your franchise. Then I guess that's good. But I just it's kind of a, a, a double standard I see here. But, you know, different team, different rules. So, you know, that's whatever. And Lillard, it's a four year, $191 million contract. Four years? Yeah, so almost uh, 45, no more than 45 million, like 47 and a half million dollars. Wow. What he, what, what he does in the regular season and does if it's not clutch games, I guess earned him that or, one. If he's one. not playing against Steph Curry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, Steph, that we... Curry, Steph Curry or Clay. Yeah, there Maybe we go. Clay goes down. So we'll see. And then the bigger news more locally is we have potentially we're hearing reports about the new Michigan basketball coach will be the return of the Fab Fiver, Jawan Howard. Yeah, um, I saw some chatter about that the minute uh, Beeline said peace out and went to Cleveland that uh, people was like, you know, well, I think that might have been you saying that, you know, Jawan. Well, was that you that said that? Somebody said that. That it might be a good look to put Juwan, you know, in that spot. And I agreed. I said, yeah, that's actually a good look to put him there. Um, you want that, you know, homegrown as far as being here and having, you know, being a part of that epic team, that five, that Fab Five. I think that's a real good look for him, getting the opportunity to be the head coach. I think recruiting for Michigan will be excellent because, I mean, it's Juwan. I mean, he was a part of that, you know, this legendary squad. And, of course, it goes beyond that. But I think we're going to have a real strong program and we're going to have a little edge to us, too, you know, because you're going to bring that kind of that swag, kind of that attitude uh, with it as well. And so that's a good look for us, man. Um, that's, a, that's a real good look. Hopefully, you know, that can kind of bleed over to the football team. <laughs> well, my, I don't think I have a choice now because every single ex-Michigan player of a note has basically come out and endorsed that they said they have to hire Juwan Howard. Because you had Jalen Rose on ESPN, you had Jimmy King, you have Chris Weber, and even Chris Weber talked about how he's going to bring the family back together again. And we know how the Fab Five been fractured. Yeah. Weber's been on the yeah. outs for the Fab Five, yeah. so it looks like possibly you know, who knows these these guys might show up on the. <laughs> I don't know if they show up as like part time assistant coaches. You'll have like a <laughs> you'll have a full Fab Five reunion of Juwan Howard. Becomes the Michigan head coach. That would be epic if that happened, actually. 
the only concern I do have is that it doesn't always work because we had Patrick Ewing, who's now back at Georgetown, and we know how big of a name Patrick Ewing is, but he can't recruit and he can't really coach because he's not recruiting well at Georgetown and his teams haven't been doing very good. So that's my only little worry about it because I know Patrick Ewing was a very successful assistant coach and they had just potentially that he was being looked over uh, for some of the head coaching gigs in the NBA. Yeah. But we'll see about, I mean, I, I think Juwan's, he's quite a bit younger than Patrick Ewing, so maybe he's got a little bit more rapport. And I think he's got some connections in the AAU circuits. So maybe he could do some uh, Fab Five stuff and get some guys there, get Jalen, give out shouts to people, Chris Weber. And just yeah. bring that fat five back together. So yeah, good luck, man. Hopefully, you can recruit good and get some inner city kids, and actually win the title. Unlike Beeline. <laughs> yeah. Any final thoughts for this week? Well, we got we got our new segment, right? Oh yes, I forgot about that. So oh, let's uh... introduce our new segment. <laughs> Our new segment is This is this garbage. garbage. Bro, get him out of there. Oh, yo, Sammy, Sammy, Sammy's in there. Get him out of there. Don't let him do this. Sammy's in the dumpster. Oh, my God. It is called This is Garbage. Basically, This is Garbage is a new segment we're going to try out where we point out the biggest ill that WWE presented us. Uh, for the week today in this week's edition of the podcast i have two big l's that really grinded my gears and those l's was the what is that movie called this is pets truth life um two secret life for pets it, it looks like a great kid movie but i do not want to see it in the middle of my match what they did was they minimized a good match that was happening a match i was getting into put it in the bottom left of my screen and played a horrible trailer about a bunny on a video game controller playing some unknown street fighter game and that grinded my gears to the point where i almost called up jay and said hey man i'm gonna need you to make another one i'm gonna need you to i'm gonna need you to feature your boy on this song because why i Look, I know WWE, y'all trying to make y'all money, and y'all want to be appeasable to all, but at least show some respect to your talent and put that commercial ad during a segment that we don't care about. For example, the commercial breaks. Nobody watches Raw to uh, for the commercials, so in between, put... This is life, truth, pet, um, <laughs> in the commercials and leave it out of our matches. And that was the biggest thing that got under my skin this week. The second thing, we talked about it already, the naming of the 24-7 title. I think they could have been a little bit more creative with it. I felt bad for Foley because he cut this great promo just for it to be ruined by the look of the title and the name of the title and i'm blaming wwe creative on that i know that they were trying to stay away from the whole hardcore aspect 
because it has a a negative connotation in today's world. But I don't know. They could have called it the 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 Dukes of Hazard title or something. Just to give it something, some a little bit more creativity. The twenty four seven title is, is kind of basic to me. And I don't like it. So that is this week's segment of this is garbage. And I hope you guys enjoy. Yes, awesome. You know what, man? I just thought about this, and I got something to say about what I said about that. You know, we just talked about the hardcore having a negative connotation. Real quick, so I, I, we can all agree that that's probably why they didn't call that belt that, and that they're trying to get away from the publicly traded company, PG rating, all that stuff. Okay, that's all fine and dandy, right? But just last year. Was it? Am I forgetting this right, or didn't we have some type of segment with one of the Usos and Naomi and Mandy Rose in a hotel room and all that stuff? Right. Even though something yeah. didn't, even though nothing happened per se, but the connotations of what what could go down was the innuendo that happened. So. They want to get away from that stuff, but yet they present that stuff still in these ways because like, okay, he's a married man, but yet you you got Mandy Rose coming at him like that and she knows it, even though it was a whole joke to get her there and to fight her and all that stuff. But it's like these innuendos that they throw around, it's like, are, are you really wanting to get away from this stuff? Or is it just when it's convenient for you because you got all the rest of this stuff, like you said, to make a wish and they publicly traded and all this stuff. It's like we got these skeletons that we going to bring out every now and then. But then, you know, this over here. No, we don't do that. But we going to do a little bit of this here, though. Uh, we're not going to call it the hardcore championship. We're going to call it the 24-7 because we don't like what hardcore does. But yet and still, we got this innuendo of this woman coming at this married woman's man. You know, what I mean, like. Where does the line draw with that? So it's like, okay, you either going to do it or you don't. And for them, it's like they kind of treading, you know, they kind of dipping their toes back in that attitude air water a little bit, but not fully with it. And some people may like it, but it's like to me, it's like, okay, we're talking about a championship here and what wrestling was built on these type of matches or whatever. But you get away from that, but yet you still come with this flavor of, you know, these type of segments that they do. So. You know, I see you, WWE. I see what you're trying to do. Yeah, I'm just saying they had a death match at a pay-per-view with women in it, but we can't call it the hardcore <laughs> title. I'm just right, because they tried to kill each other. We know. Yeah. And they nope. sacrificed Fan Balor. So I don't, I don't know what they talking about. No. Now, what about uh, AEW's uh, pay-per-view, debut pay-per-view this week, Double or Nothing? Um. Well, I'm a little... <laughs> I'm a little upset about the $50 price tag on that. Um, I'm hyped for the pay-per-view. I think it's going to be awesome pay-per-view. I think it's going to be everything that people want that WWE is not giving them right now, which, you know, is kind of an issue for WWE. I don't care what people say. Obviously, WWE is number one company in the industry. And as I think uh, Kurt Angle was talking about it when he said that, you know, nobody will ever catch them. I actually think that's true to a point. They they're they are uh, in very dangerous waters right now, though, and it's because AEW is going to supply 
everything that WWE is not doing. And in this day and age, with these fickle fans, fickle. I mean, uh-huh. all it takes. Oh, yes, you see what I did there. Everything, <laughs> every in this day and age with these fickle. fans, all it takes is for them to support, give you something that you want, and they're going to start pulling this fan, this fan, these fans, this group of fans, these group of fans. Next thing you know, they're going to be all those fans that usually would watch. Raw or SmackDown and or pay-per-view are going to be watching AEW. I mean, the argument now is that you can watch both. You don't have to, you know, be at eyes of one another. But that's the spirit of competition. That's what happens when another show pop up like that. People are going to take sides. You can't stop that from happening. Will I? Mm, I mean, no, I'm going to watch both. I'm not going to be like, oh, you know, AEW fans, all you guys, you know, y'all ain't no good or turn on WWE and be, you know, be like WWE fans, y'all, you know, I'm not going to do that, but you're going to get that. And ain't nothing you can do about that. It happens in everything. I mean, that's sports, right? I mean, think about Yankees, Red Sox. You're going to have a Red Sox fan talking about how good, you know, uh, the Yankees are. No, it doesn't happen like that. So, I mean, you can go to music, hip hop. It happens when you have two people who are good. And you take sides. I'll go some years back to Jay-Z and Nas when they had their battle. People took sides. You might have liked them both, but they took sides when that thing happened back in 2001. So it's going to happen. So all these people talking about, well, you ain't got to take sides and everybody should like them both. It's not going to happen. And that's the excitement of it, really, to me. Should it happen? Eh, That's stuff a debate. But that's what the excitement is. That's what made WCW, WWF going at it was the fans taking the sides of both shows they actually didn't like each other and that's what made for good television because the fans knew it and the talent knew it yeah i'm with you on that um i can't speak too much on the subject because uh vince mcmahon is watching me uh (laughs) but you better watch that bro (laughs) yeah i gotta say aew is offering everything that i miss uh, that I know I can't get from WWE. That fifty dollar price point, it got me on the edge. Um, and I do not support alleged links, but alleged links might be used. <laughs> and uh, I, I really am excited this weekend to watch it. I think the Kenny Omega versus Chris Jericho match is going to be great. Chris Jericho has a new finisher, a very simple move, but it looks. Like he could be hit out of nowhere. Um, the Gold Dust versus Cody. I mean, I'm sorry, Dustin versus Cody Rhodes match looks exciting. Um, yeah. And there was another match that I looked forward to seeing. But I think AEW is going to blow us out the water with their indie uh, shenanigans. And I think that it's going to set a precedent for what WWE has to look out for. And Vince, I love you. Please don't fire me. <laughs> well, I guess what we're going to see is how long Tony Khan is willing to run the show. Because the difference is you've got Vince McMahon, who's the owner, who is working 24-7 on WWE. Yeah. So we're going to see if this, you know, if they don't get the buy rates that they want or if they don't get the ratings they want, how quickly... Tony Khan could pull the plug on on it just like they did for the AAF football. You know? Because yeah. yep. when, when, when you start losing money, I don't care how much he likes wrestling. He's not born in the business. Like that, that 
that's exactly what I was about to say. People want to compare Vince McMahon to Tony Khan because of the money. But Vince, like you said, was born and bred within the business. The dude got the business flowing through his blood. Like he will bleed for the business. And he has literally bled for the business on multiple occasions. So when you have somebody like that, that's the driving force behind your product. That's how you become the number one business in the industry and nobody is catching you. You can have long money all you want and you can be the biggest wrestling fan ever. But neither one of us was bred in this business. So if it came to pass where we had a choice, we can either watch wrestling or something else more important from us was going to be taken. We're going to choose that other thing because it's more important. But for Vince McMahon, he's going to fight life, fight his life to keep that stuff. Will Tony Khan do that as being just a wrestling fan? Even though you may even go back some years. I watched it when I was this young or whatever. That's cool. But is, are you ingrained in the business like Vince? And that's where the difference is going to be when those hard times come, because they will. Is he going to be able to fight through it? And when, you know, because usually with companies, what, they start off in the red, right? So yeah. is he going to be able to fight through that with this? And how is TNT going to take that? Because they've already been through this once. So, you know, how are they going to react? So they got a lot to look. We got a lot to look forward to as far as the, the, the product goes. I think the product is going to be really good to excellent. But it's a lot of those things that we don't deal with the business side of it. And they got a lot of business minds and a lot of people who know television. So it's looking good. But we will see. It's time will tell how that how that works. Yeah, Vince is not afraid to lose money. I mean, no. he's going to second try at XFL. Right. So, yeah. you know that guy's dedicated. Yes. Any last words from you, Duke? Um, I'm not really into sports, but I just want to say shout out to Russell Westbrook for doing whatever he's doing right now as we speak. <laughs> he's, and, he's, uh... he's fishing. He's probably yeah. fishing. fishing. Yeah, he's okay. fishing for a number of weeks now. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I just I just hope that Russell Westbrook is having a great night um, because Becky Lynch decided to go the Seth Rollins route. I want to introduce to you guys my new favorite female wrestler um, whose matches I barely watched. She's a Japanese female wrestler by the name of Hana Kimura. And she wrestles out of stardom in Japan, and I think she's great. All right. I guess I'll, I'll watch a YouTube clip and see who she is. Yeah. So. <laughs> All right. Well, that's a wrap for eighth edition of the Fickle Fan Podcast. This is Yeeski. JM in the building. And your boy Duke. Thank you guys for having me. Peace. Peace. And we're out. Fickle.